Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Our guest today is Melissa Swift. She is the U.S. Transformation Leader at Mercer, a global human resources and wealth management consultancy, and she will be the keynote speaker during the opening session of ACHE's upcoming Virtual Leadership Symposium, which will take place October 10th and 11th. Melissa leads the company's transformation practice for North America, which brings together advanced workforce analytics and empathetic employee research to redefine how organizations think about the humans who power their businesses. Prior to Mercer, Melissa was senior client partner at Corn Ferry, where she led the firm's global workforce transformation practices. She also founded a research institute on leadership of the future for Russell Reynolds Associates. She launched two environmental, social, and governance practices at Deloitte, and she conducted landmark carbon credit trades for Deutsche Bank. During the virtual leadership symposium, Melissa will talk about the future of work and how creating a more human workplace by reshaping everything from how we measure performance and how leaders behave to digital transformation strategy creates the best experience for all. So register today at ACHE.org backslash VLS. But for now, she'll give us a little preview of her remarks. So Melissa, welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. All right, we're going to get right into the question. So the future of work, such an interesting subject here. It's particularly topical for healthcare, obviously, which has been hit so hard by workforce shortages the past few years. So let's, I guess, speak very broadly about this. What does the future of work look like? How fast are we getting there? And maybe what are some of those trends you're seeing in how we work? Yeah, so it's interesting. The The future of work, I think, always the idea is always kind of centered on optimization, right? The right people or entities or technologies doing the right work in the right place in the right way. I think the interesting wrinkle in, you know, sort of COVID world, post-COVID world, whatever we're calling it today, is that the optimization of the future of work, now it's kind of from the worker's perspective too, right? What is the work I want to do? How do I want to do it? Where do I want to do it from? And that's, that's a very interesting trend because in some ways, when you ask how fast are we getting there, that's slowing down the process, right? That we have to hit a future of work that employer and employee can agree on. And that's a really, really different thing than just I'm the employer, I'm gonna redesign all the work, everything's gonna be different. So, you know, some of the trends we're seeing, I think really, for me, they mostly center on having to reconfigure for a different employee experience of employees want different things, you know, they want a different rhythm to their workday. They want to interact with technology differently. There's all kinds of different wants. That's kind of the big picture headline trend right now. And it's all about employers adjusting their vision of the future of work toward, you know, one that's more driven by what employees desire. So let's talk a little bit about virtual and remote work. And because of that pandemic, you know, organizations began to embrace things like remote nursing, giving people that flexibility you were just talking about. So how are you seeing companies and organizations adapt to having a hybrid and remote workforce? And maybe how might that evolve here in the in the near future? Yeah, we're seeing an interesting evolution. You know, if you think about it during, you know, kind of, let's say when, when COVID hit in 2020, 
the evolution was literally just let's see if we can do as much of the same work as we you know historically have done in remote and hybrid ways the evolution today is the conversation starting to be around you know okay should we actually be doing the work differently because we're going to work in remote and hybrid ways and importantly you know what opportunities does that create so you know, as a for instance, if we're going to have a you know a remote nurse on an iPad um, in the room with in-person uh, nurses, you know, does that create a teaching and mentoring opportunity uh, that didn't exist prior? So not just trying to do the same work in a hybrid or remote way, but maybe trying to do the work better. Definitely, and well, now the benefits. You know, we talked about the the flexibility there, but. On the other side, there's also a lot of burnout, right? Because the lines between work and home life can get blurred easily. So how do you see that shaking out? It's interesting. We're seeing a lot of strategies right now to recreate some of those those barriers that used to exist between work and home. Either people flexing on, you know, okay, I'm going to rent a room in my neighbor's apartment, right? So I'm not working in my own home. I'm going to create an artificial commute where I go walk a few blocks right, just to be out of the house and, and, you know, not just going straight from from work to home. I think the next frontier for this, you know, the strategies I'm describing are mostly worker driven. You Mm -hmm. know, what what can I do to create a better barrier between my work and my home life? The next generation of solutions will be what can organizations do to better create those barriers. And so you see things that are kind of brute force solutions like, okay, you can't email after a particular hour, things like that. But I think that'll be a really interesting area for innovation of what can organizations do to effectively protect people from themselves in terms of burnout. So you just touched on it a little bit there. We're going to talk about uh, the role leaders will play in the future of work. So talk a little bit about what it will take to be an effective leader and how it might continue to change. And especially when we're talking about, you know, recruiting and retaining talent. Yeah, so there's kind of two intersecting trends that I think are really driving different leadership behaviors. So one is obviously rise of remote and and hybrid work, and then the other one is talent shortages. And in both cases, that calls for leaders who can frankly operate with more influence, less direct power. So, you know, let's say I really need to hang on to my folks or I need to manage them remotely. In both cases, kind of exercise of standard old school command and control workplace power works against you. You know, you have to be that inspiring, influencing leader. And this is creating some real strain in the system because, you know, in a lot of roles, as much as we've been talking about that kind of leadership for a very, very long time, um, in many roles, that just hasn't been what has been selected for. And so it'll be very interesting to see kind of a whole generation of leaders, you know, how many can successfully pivot. So how about some other industries? What industries have you seen are doing the work the best and what are they doing? And maybe there's some things that healthcare leaders can look at for best practices here. Yeah, I think for healthcare, um, there's some very interesting um, practices from retail, because if you think about it, you know, there's some some similar threads in terms of certain things still have to be in person, some similar threads in terms of kind of heavy operational burden, right? Um, And I think what's been interesting in retail is, again, where can we automate, you know, so where am I having a customer make some selections, you know, again, on a touch screen instead of, uh, you know, somebody physically taking an order and writing it down or directing them to something. 
So, you know, automation is, is one interesting area to look at, partly because in some cases it actually improves customer experience or would improve in healthcare patient experience. If people felt more sort of control over their environment, automation can give them that. And then, you know, the other piece is really deploying humans at what they're great at. So if you go into a retail location these days, um, one of the interesting things that I'm seeing is, is more greeters. Mm-hmm. You know, people are, people are saying hi and they're chatting you up and there's less sort of directed sales activity and more kind of warm and fuzzy, let's create a good halo in this environment. And I think that's actually extraordinarily relevant for healthcare, where if you do that properly, you could drive better patient outcomes, right? If you could improve the emotional mood in a lot of healthcare settings, um, that's that's something that's really worth looking at. So on that topic, talking about the mood there, let's talk about wellness, so that, you know, particularly for healthcare workers who have been through so much the last few years. So how are organizations starting to measure the wellness of their employees and what are the steps that they're taking to improve them? So there's a lot of look at very concrete metrics, which is a huge improvement in terms of how wellness is looked at, right? So it's everything from more traditional ones like engagement survey data to you know looking at things like attrition in a particular role as a wellness metric, um, you know, using things like insights about how many hours people spend in meetings or how fast they churn between tasks, right? So there's a lot more just concrete measurement using everyday business measurements, right? We're not seeing you know, elaborate, fancy things. It's more like, how can we look at everyday data in the business environment and use that to extrapolate what wellness looks like? And then the steps that are, you know, being taken to improve them, I think, number one, simplification. So things like using fewer technologies in a day uh, is perceived to be a a good driver of wellness because people are less pulled on and less scattered. Uh, Number two, a huge emphasis on rest and recovery. So it's interesting because in the healthcare setting, sometimes that's mandated, right? You can only work, you know, if you're a resident, X number of hours in a row. But, you know, we're seeing organizations far afield of healthcare start to look at rest and recovery. And, and also genuinely what's needed. You know, do we give people enough time off? Might they need more? So those two vectors, kind of the simplification and the rest and recovery, I think cover a lot of the wellness interventions today. But again, as data gets better collected, it'll be really interesting to see where those interventions, you know, how they continue to evolve. And another area of focus that plays into wellness is DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we've talked a lot about this on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. So um, what are some of those trends that you're seeing from organizations uh, that are incorporating DEI? You know, one of the most positive trends, and this is interesting because at, at Mercer, we've actually done some really cool research on, on the impact of this particular strategic switch, but it's a, it's a shift in focus from talent attraction to talent retention. Because what our, what our research shows is that you can end up with representation gaps if you solely focus on attracting diverse talent and you don't retain those individuals, you end up with unclosable gaps, mm-hmm. right? It's for a lot of reasons, for business productivity, a lot of reasons, it's better to hold on to the people you have. But there's literally a numbers game that you can't make it up in talent acquisition, what you lack in talent retention. So that's that's definitely one trend. And then I think a second one is a broader, deeper look at what an inclusive workplace looks like and being more conscious of, again, you know, positive environments, lack of, of microaggressions, um, you know, not just kind of you know, brute force measures like, you know, do you have a room for nursing mothers to pump in and things like that, but more around kind of culture and environment and going one level deeper there. 
So Melissa, as you know, ACHE is all about professional growth, lifelong learning. So how can today's healthcare leaders prepare for tomorrow's workplace that you're describing and what do they need to know and learn to be prepared for that? I think the most important thing you can do is go out and have some conversations. You know, that's what is really differentiating successful leaders in today's environment and tomorrow's um, from those who are less successful is not assuming, going out and talking to those workforce populations and get getting granular, get nitty gritty. You know, ask people, what slows you down during your day? I thought it was a very profound statement recently when the CEO of Google said, you know, we may need to become more efficient if there's an economic downturn and they're doing a mass study of what their workers think about efficiency, right? They're, they're not assuming, they're not guessing, they're, God bless, not hiring a consulting firm. They're asking their workers. And I think that's an amazing move as a leader. And I think the, the goodwill that it generates in addition to what you learn is, you know, quite valuable. Melissa Swift, U.S. Transformation Leader at Mercer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for all your thoughts and perspective. Thanks for having me. Remember that you can hear Melissa's keynote presentation during ACHE's Virtual Leadership Symposium, which will take place October 10th and 11th. To learn more and register, visit ACHE.org backslash VLS. That's going to do it for this episode of the Healthcare Executive Podcast from ACHE. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ache.org.